Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. The National Museum of African American History and Culture opened on the National Mall in September 2016. Today, we will talk to some of the people who were thinking about the museum back in 2007. My name is Sarah Smith, and I'm a producer at Richard Lewis Media Group. Prior to that, I was 15 years at Amaze Design, during which I did the interpretive plan with Andy for the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Uh, Hi, I'm Andy Anway. I'm the founder and president of Amaze Design. Uh, We're a Boston-based museum planning and uh, exhibition design firm. We were the interpretive planners on a large team, of um, the architects who are determining square footage and adjacencies and stacking diagrams. And then there were evaluators and visitation studies people, just a huge team. Let's start with the way the National Mall looked in 2007, when Sarah, Andy, and others started thinking about the interpretive plan. The most recently opened museum was the National Museum of the American Indian, How did that museum influence the planning of the National Museum of African American History and Culture? Well, what that museum did particularly well was give a lot of voice to different tribal groups throughout the hemisphere. What it didn't do was be very obvious or heavy-handed about any sort of single narrative or timeline or curatorial voice. That was... It was their intent not to do that. And I remember on our visit, we went with the director of the African American History and Culture Museum, Lonnie Bunch. We went with him and the architects. And Lonnie was very adamant that he wanted to have more of a chronology and a narrative. Lonnie Bunch, who is a historian really knew what he wanted. He, he knew it before we went to, to visit other museums. And his vision was for a chronology to, to tell a history from slavery and freedom through segregation, through civil rights. And then he had these other culture and community galleries in mind. And, and I mean, Andy, I'd be interested to hear what you say, but I think he came in we started the process with him already knowing that, right? Yeah, I think that's true. And I, and I think the other, you know, he had, uh, I was looking back actually uh, about at this, some of the guiding principles that we put together for the project, which I think helped us and Lonnie kind of articulate that uh, ultimately. But I, I think he did ha- have a, a definite vision. But one of the through lines for him was always about, African-American history is American history, or you can't know American history without knowing African-American history. And that, that I think, was the absolute guiding, overriding guiding principle. Another way to say that and the way he would say it is that this, you know, the museum was to be and now is about all of us. You know, it's not about African-Americans only by any means, and, and uh, it, it's an inclusive museum because the story involves all of us. Uh, so I think that, uh, to me, that was the major takeaway, uh, which would be different than the Native American Museum, because obviously that museum is about a group that was actually working hard to clarify its identity as opposed to, you know, talk about it being an assimilated identity. 
These guiding principles of the museum express the underlying attitudes and assumptions that ground the selection of themes and topics. We call them guiding principles. It's something we do in all our projects, but they're really helpful because they're, they're kind of the touchstones. You know, you would go back and say it's, it's different than a goal. It's, it's, you know, a goal would be a measurable thing, but a guiding principle is, you know, it's something that really is the, that, that kind of forms the foundation of what your thinking is and, you know, what you want to, um, make sure your museum stands for. Uh, I think that's probably what, you know, best way to put it. So um, we, had a, we had a number of them, um, starting with that, that one I mentioned, um, that, you know, that African-American history is American history and it involves each and every one of us. But, you know, there, there, there were a number of others. Um, things like, uh, you know, the fact that race is, is an essential uh, part of, you know, about part of America. It defines the American experience, um, which obviously is so relevant today. Here are some of the original guiding principles. Number one, this museum is about you, whether you are African American or not. Number two, the stories told here are quintessential American stories. Number three, there is no single African American community or identity. It is a diverse and regionalized population shaped by movements and migrations, the African diaspora, and local cultural, political, and economic situations. Although I was surprised that none of the guiding principles directly mentioned the institution of enslaving people, Andy explains that enslavement was the beginning rather than the focus. The museum is so much more, and the discussion of African American history and culture is so much more than an isolated discussion about only one aspect of that history and culture, which is enslavement. And so I just think that, um, you know, the vision for this museum was was certainly a recognition of, you know, enormous recognition of, of uh, you know, the enslavement of, of uh, you know, of humans um, over a long period of time and their brutal treatment and, um, you know, and the fact that, that meant that, you know, America was built on the backs of enslaved people and those, you know, the economic uh, powerhouse that America became, you know, was a result of that. So all those things are really very much part of the story, but they aren't the only story. So I think that, I think it's really important to not necessarily lead with that story and to debunk or to broaden, maybe that's a better term, to broaden visitors' concepts and understanding of what African-American culture has been and is all about. Part of Lonnie's mission is to show the roots of what's happening in culture today as being rooted back into that institution. So mass incarceration comes, looks a lot like... I see. Um, convict leasing looks a lot like enslaved labor in the fields. And... And he's wanting to draw those connections. I remember a particularly powerful example of this concept was a prison tower from a penitentiary in Louisiana. It was built on the site of a slave plantation and then became a privately owned prison where the convicts were leased out for labor, performing the same kind of tasks that the enslaved did formerly on that site, and is now... Um, a prison that's populated mostly by African Americans and is a, an example of mass incarceration. So it's a really powerful object in the museum. 
Well, I, I just was going to, you know, uh, reinforce Sarah's statement. I think I think that is the I think the point that that the museum makes its intended point is that um, enslavement was the beginning, but yes, there's a per, absolute perpetuation of that, you know, the mindset and the behavior, and it comes out in legal institutional ways now, and just the kinds of things that, you know, that Sarah mentioned, which. You know, over time, I guess we we hope have gotten better, uh, but you know, I think there's a heightened recognition that there's still this institutionalized enslavement, if you want to use that term, still in in certain ways. Certainly, higher high incarceration rates is a is a really good example. At the beginning of this process, what was the thinking about where in history to start the galleries? Well, it starts in the 1400 slavery in Africa and um, capturing Africans and their bring, being sold to uh, Europeans. And um, but really, the meat of it starts, I'd say, around the Declaration of Independence, so the colonial times, colonial right. enslavement. And yeah, he's Lonnie. I think he felt really strongly, I'm guessing that he felt really strongly about telling a chronology in that, like, these are the facts, just wanting to get it out there. This is what happened. And then the rest of the museum is about, here's what we've done about it. Sarah is the only one of the three of us who has had the opportunity to visit. Oh, well, no, it was just fantastic, and I was wishing Andy was there with me walking through it because it was like seeing everything we had written and diagrammed come to life. Um, Lonnie had, you know, he had his chronology and his gallery set out, and in the interpretive planning process, we had suggested different kinds of techniques, um, you know, sweeps of history with punctuated by poignant moments and maybe galleries that overlook other galleries and juxtaposing these quotes, you know, from American governmental documents and law with quotes from African-Americans through the ages. And it was just like, boom, there Mm -hmm. it was. And it was huger than life and really stunning impact. And so, and the exhibits themselves are really punctuated by the building. And so you approach this massive building that's really beautiful and situated right next to the Washington Monument. And uh, so you're just, it's, it feels like a museum slash memorial just the, the architecture of it, mm-hmm. and and it's you enter into these cavernous spaces. So there's just a huge feeling of gravitas around the whole thing, too, that I don't think any of us could have imagined. You know, it was fraught with a lot of controversy, and so you've got you to really appreciate the people that pushed that through because there were plenty of people who thought that location, you know, in the shadow of the Washington Monument was an outrage. And, you know, what are we putting an African-American museum there for? You know, this, right. this should be something, you know, for all people, <laughs> which is what you get. Uh, and also, why would, you know, what's that weird shaped building that's got African roots in its design? You know, what kind of nonsense is that? I mean, those are the those are the kinds of arguments that people had. So, 
you know, to push that through and get it get it to happen is a remarkable achievement.